This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio. Welcome to Leadership in Action on SiriusXM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Jeff Klein. I'm the Executive Director of the Ann and John McNulty Leadership Program, and I'm here on Zoom with my friend, my buddy, Dr. Ann Greenhall. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. And it is great to have you back, back on the show and back from vacation. And wonderful to be here with you today. What were you up to while I was gone? Well, we had some interviews, Mike and I, and that was fun. But, you know, it's good to have you back. <laughs> well, we should note that our third co-host, Mike Yusin, uh, I believe somewhere in New Hampshire right now. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So, uh I mean, I, I got my I got my annual dose of the Western Mountains, the Rocky Mountains, mm-hmm. uh, and I have a feeling he is probably in the White Mountains right now. Yeah, knowing knowing him to love mountains as much as he does. Yeah, uh, what's a you know? And I'm just curious as we uh, you know as we launch into today, mm-hmm. um, what's been a theme of the summer for you? Mm. Oh, boy. That's great, Jeff. Well, I I will say um, a little bit of uncertainty. You know, we are planning for the fall. We have the direction that we will be uh, face-to-face in person. And we are planning at all levels, executive, MBA, undergrad for uh, in-person delivery. And at the same time, I am well aware that it is very possible that I will have students maybe domestic, maybe international, who for whatever reason, visa, travel, vaccination status, will be for some reason unable to be in class. And so I'm giving a lot of thought to how to accommodate them. Again, intention is in person, but will we have make room through some sort of hybrid delivery? And I'm really hoping, although I feel equipped You know, heaven forbid, if we have to pivot for some reason to a virtual delivery short term, I can do that. I know how to do it. So I I feel skilled, but I am aware of the uncertainty and hope, uh, hope that I rise to the occasion by planning for the worst and hoping for the best. Well, I have no doubt you'll rise to the occasion in Green Hall. (laughs) We've we've been at this long enough. (laughs) So, Jeff, maybe top of mind for you? Uh, top of mind for me, I think, is related to that. And it's just as we think about the transition, the return to work transition, which is yes. something that uh, every organization is grappling with and thinking about right now. And I bet one of the themes that we can talk about with our guest today. I think you're right. Hi, <laughs> I tell you what. So let me, before we jump in here, I want to remind our listeners that new episodes of our show premiere every Friday at 9 a.m. That's 9 a.m. Eastern time here on Business Radio, Sirius XM channel 132. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SXM Business. So Ann and I are delighted today uh, to have a guest who has written a book that explains how upstanding company character, that is one that is values-based and inclusion-based, 
is essential to sustained relevance and performance. Um, we're delighted to introduce to all of you. Frank Calderoni, who is the CEO of Anaplan and whose book is called Upstanding, How Company Character Catalyzes Loyalty, Agility, and Hypergrowth. Frank, welcome to Leadership in Action. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. And Anne, uh, good to uh, see you as well. This is an exciting <laughs> opportunity. All right. Well, Frank, if I can, let, let me say a couple more words about you um, before we launch into a discussion about uh, your latest book. Um, you're, Frank, you're a technology industry veteran, uh, more than 30 years of experience. Um, as I understand it, you've, uh, you started your career at IBM, um, were with IBM for a while, dabbled a little bit in journalism. And so we have, we have that in common as well, as well as a, a, a history in finance. That was corporate finance was my first career. Um, you were also with Cisco, in executive positions with Cisco, with Red Hat, and you are now the CEO and chairman of the board for Anaplan, a company that sells proprietary software as a service to its clients. Um, in addition, you're on the board of Adobe Systems. So does that all sound like you? That's me. That's me. You got it. Thank you, Jim. Right, fantastic. So, you know, Frank, as, as we launch into this, um, you know, I, I mean, the, the 18 months that we have all experienced as a as a as organizations as a nation as a world um uh, among the most tumultuous certainly in in my own career uh, how did the last 18 months really inform your desire to write a book about character and about company character in particular you know i was listening to ann's uh, comment before um and i think all of us over the past uh, 17 or 18 months have learned a lot of resilience. Uh, we didn't think that we would have had it uh, when we kind of got into this, but I think the whole world quickly got into a whole different dynamic. And I think we've all learned a lot uh, in being flexible and being resilient and also being empathetic. And so I, I think um, I, I tried to look at the last 18 months, uh, both as a leader of an organization, um, as well as just personally as, as, as a learning experience as I have uh, throughout my, uh, my career. You know, a couple of key things that I'd, I'd point out. I think the first thing that I learned um, is, is the topic of, of, of empathy. You know, especially being a leader of an organization, a professional organization, and really learning uh, based on what we were all thrust into, that it's not just only the professional environment that you're working with uh, when you work with people, but you have to also deal firsthand with the personal side of things. And allowed all of us, especially with Zoom and WebEx and various other video conferencing to get a different connection with folks. And we learned that listening and learning uh, as far as what others are going through and wanting to um, you know, adapt appropriately was necessary. And I mean, in the education, um, you know, I, I also had uh, two teenagers going through the past 18 months, a freshman in high school and a senior in high school who's now embarking on a college career come uh, September. Um, but just dealing with all that for me on the personal side, as well as managing a business. Yeah. And I think we learned a lot about everyone. So the key thing is empathy, uh, listening, learning, um, and, and willing to lean in and understand and appreciate and work with others. If I can, what I'd like to... Maybe where I'd like to start this conversation um, about the, the new book, Upstanding, 
um, is actually ask you to, to think back, right? And, and sure. you've, you've talked already about um, the learning that's been available over the last 18 months. Um, if we were to, you know, rewind a few decades um, and, and think about Frank Calderoni, who's, uh, who's in high school, what at that point in your life did you envision? Um, as I understand it, you're the um, you're a child of immigrants, yeah. Um, yeah. also first generation college. And so, what were you thinking? What were you envisioning in terms of future? Um, as, as you now look back, you know, I, again, I can um, think back myself and kind of just understanding where my children are today and how different things are. You know, for me. Um, I didn't have the opportunity of learning about the business world, learning about profession, different professions uh, from my parents. Because as you, as you mentioned, my, my, my father immigrated through uh, Ellis Island, as a matter of fact. And, um, you know, he started out here and established a family and so forth. And I learned a lot from him uh, over those years. But I didn't really know much about, uh, the, you know, different opportunities. And so as I was a teenager, I wanted to learn. Um, I was fortunate in that I lived near New York City. Uh, I ended up going to Fordham University. Uh, it was a college that I, I, I chose. And I initially thought I wanted to be a journalist. Um, I had interest in that as, as a profession. And I was fortunate being part of uh, Fordham that they had a college radio station that broadcasts across the tri-state. And we had a significant number of listeners. And I became uh, both a disc jockey as well as a news reporter. And that opened a whole new world for me. Um, I was able to go around New York City. I was able to meet different um, politicians, different business leaders. Um, and it opened up so many different things. In addition to the education I was getting from Fordham, I was pretty much getting an education around life and different uh, professions and things like that. And so I took those learnings and I decided uh, based on that, um, I did enjoy journalism, uh, but I, I got very much interested in the business world, um, how businesses function, and I, I went for a degree in accounting and finance um, at Fordham. And then I took on a internship uh, at IBM, uh, which I was fortunate to get for a couple of summers. That got me further into the business world. And then I lasted, uh, I joined uh, uh, IBM and I lasted there 21 years. It was a great time. Uh, the company was high growth, um, had so many different opportunities uh, for me uh, as, a, as a professional. But I also learned uh, and experienced the world. Um, it was a global company. I did a tremendous amount of travel in Europe and in Asia. And so it, it was, again, I, I learned so much uh, from those 21 years about business, about people, about leadership, and also about cultures. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I learned is culture of organizations, but culture of different societies, having uh, traveled, as I said, extensively throughout Europe and throughout Asia. Let me, uh, let me just remind our listeners that this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Jeff Klein, and I'm here with Ann Greenhall. We are talking with Frank Calderoni, who is the CEO of Anaplan and author of the new book, Upstanding, How Company Character Catalyzes Loyalty, Agility, and Hypergrowth. So, Frank, I have one quick question, and then I'm going to turn this over to Ann for a little bit. Um, you talk in the book about the role that the basic beliefs played at IBM. Um, could, could you speak a little bit to what those basic beliefs are and how that started to influence how you viewed culture? 
Yeah, so of course, IBM is uh, over 100 years old as, as an organization. And what attracted me uh, to the company initially was uh, the culture and how it was a culture that was very much um, respecting the individual. And that was part of the culture, respect for the individual. And anything and everything that IBM did uh, was to on the benefit of employees and the benefit of customers. And having spent so many years there during that growth phase uh, and being part of that, um, how they developed individuals, how they developed leaders was with that, that, that foundation of empathy, of understanding, of respect and trust. And so that stayed with me while I was at IBM and, and after. I've also had the good fortune of working for, for some other um, you know, strong uh, organizations that had uh, good cultures. Uh, Red Hat, which had an open source culture that was very empowered uh, and allowed people throughout the organization to speak up and say however, whatever they felt and, and have a role. Um, and I was also part of Cisco for many years, uh, also a company that had a tremendous amount of uh, focus on culture and respect and trust, both for the employees as well as the ecosystem that they were part of, customers, partners, and things like that. So I've, I've had a lot of good fortune of working for companies. And I, I, what I did during that time frame was to listen and learn uh, from so many others that uh, I was working with and had the opportunity to engage with um, as it relates to the, the businesses that each of those organizations allowed me to have with their customers. And over to you. All right, thank you. And Frank, it's a pleasure to have a chance to speak with you about your new book, Upstanding. And I know that you write a lot about character-led culture. Could you say a bit more about what you mean by that? The easiest way, and that's that's a great a great question. Um, I, I think when 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 you ask a question about character and and you relate character to an individual, I think everyone can really resonate. It's truly what makes that person do what they do, feel the way they feel, act in the way that they act. We rarely, I think, over the years, have really attributed the word character to an organization. But I think. Uh, again, with the experience that I've had in the, in the companies I just mentioned, I found that an organization that truly has a character is one that I, I think performs so much better uh, as far as the results, the business results or the organization results that they're trying to achieve. But more important than that, I think that that's coming from the individuals that are part of that organization have a bond. They feel respected, they feel trusted, and vice versa, they, they turn that back to the organization. They're more energized about what they do. Uh, they, 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 they will perform at higher levels, right? Because they enjoy working with who they're working with or being who they're working with. And, and they resonate with what that organization stands for. And that's where you know, a character-led organization is one that has a purpose, that people can um, relate to, one that has strong values that people understand and also respect and trust, and then behaviors that tie to those values that allow you to then um, demonstrate um, and then hold each other accountable if, if you're not meeting uh, those levels of expectations as relates to uh, the values and, and the behaviors. That's good. Well, Frank, I, I appreciate your point. You're looking at the culture as a whole, 
And the aim, as I understand it, is for the company culture to be upstanding and to have positive values, especially, you note, loyalty, agility, and growth. Jeff and I have talked a lot about loyalty. (laughs) So I would love to hear your take on loyalty. What do you mean by loyalty? Uh, And it goes back to, uh, I'll I'll expand on some of the things I just mentioned. Loyalty comes when, again, you can resonate with the organization that you're part of. You understand their purpose, right? What what they stand for. You, you, You have an ability to influence that through the values that that organization has. And and if you can resonate with those those, those values, you're gonna be more loyal to the mission or the vision that that organization has. And as a result, I think what you're gonna do is you're gonna lean in as well um, and you're gonna do your best. I mean, the key thing for us at Anaplan, um, as far as our purpose is, we want people to feel like they belong to Anaplan. They, They can relate be loyal to the company, but that the company is also going to respect um, and treat them um, in, in an appropriate way as well. And, and that's, that's where that, that bond occurs uh, with an organization. Through, I've been in Anaplan now for four and a half years as, as the leader. One of the things I tried to do early on was to allow our employees uh, to participate in really identifying what our values, what, what we stood for. We had 67% of the employees at that time, a few years ago, volunteering to be part of the workshops so that they can have a say in what they felt our true values were. And then to also then map those values to what they felt were expected behaviors that, again, we'd hold everyone to. That allows people to, 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 to really resonate um, and also then live those values. We call it Anaplan love, living our values every day. Oh, that's great. Very good. Jeff, back back to you. All right. um, well, let me first remind our listeners, once again, this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, Sirius XM Channel 132. Uh, it's Ann and Jeff today. Mike mm-hmm. is uh, hopefully on the top of a mountain right now. <laughs> our guest is Frank Calderoni who is author of the book, Upstanding, How Company Character Catalyzes Loyalty, Agility, and Hypergrowth. Um, <clears throat> Frank, I think maybe a, a, a live example for us would be uh, something to bring this to life a little bit for our listeners. Um, and, you know, I, I talked at the open about the conversations that we're all having at Penn right now about employees returning to work. Um, how, how does a company that is um, really, you know, living its character, um, how would you advise a company and organization to approach that kind of a decision? So the, the first thing I would say is to include as many yeah. as possible, right? So again, you, you get that buy-in. So I'll, I'll just uh, give some examples. I mean, I, I can't speak other than from the experiences I have. Uh, we don't always do everything. Uh, the right way. But I, but I, again, as I said before, we learned from others and I've had some uh, good learning experiences throughout my career. So um, at, at Anaplan, uh, when we first went into the lockdown and everybody had to work from home, we weren't sure what that was going to look like. Um, but throughout the last 18 months, uh, what I found is a constant open communication, open dialogue with our employees was important. 
on various topics. I mean, we teed up topics and we, we, we had this um, uh, session called Frank Answers Questions. It was basically just open it up. Everybody can dial in on a Zoom call and be able to ask questions. And I, I give my uh, top of mind answers. We, we had topics around COVID. We had various professionals uh, from the health community talking about what it was all about. Um, and so having that dialogue where people were in there understanding and appreciating different topics and having a forum allowed them to feel part of it and also allowed us to engage and get a lot of feedback. On the work from home, more recently, what we've done is we, we started with a survey um, as far as as we're thinking about you know going into a bit more of this post-COVID environment, uh, having that experience of working from home, what do people prefer? We got a 50-50 split, 50% said they wanted to stay um, remote, the other 50%. And the reason for staying remote is the flexibility, dealing with all the personal things and so forth. The other 50% felt that they needed to have more interaction. So they were looking for some level of return to work, not necessarily 100%, but some flexibility. And so from that, we've now started to develop what we call the future of work. And we've got a couple of pilots underway, flexible work schedules, part-time work, uh, job sharing. Uh, we have four-day work week uh, pilots underway where you can work four long days and have, you know, a, an extended weekend off. Um, we're, we're looking and we're experimenting with all that. We're making sure in those pilots that we're looking at the personal side and the professional side, meaning that we still have to run a business and to make sure that we're addressing the needs of our customers in whatever we decide to do. Again, similar to what I said before about our survey around the values, high level of participation, very active, but, but also people willing to learn from it and then experiment and then decide what we're gonna do next. And, and the value, Frank, of, of creating that common understanding, both, you know, as, as you were talking about inviting health professionals, you know, into these meetings to create common knowledge, shared knowledge about what the is situation COVID? that we're What is the vaccine? I mean, right. a, a vaccine was a great one. We had, we had the, the experts from UCSF come and talk to our employees about that in early stages throughout the regression. What was the vaccine? What was it all about? What was the scientific nature behind that? It was educational. I, I wasn't right. Just make available information to our employees and let them form their own opinions from that. And, and I'm, I'm curious as, you know, as that kind of shared knowledge, shared framework developed, did find that it influenced uh, individual employees and their their hopes, their desires for the future? Uh, yes, I think so. I, I, again, you can tell because of the active engagement. It's not, you know, our, our format is to have a two-way exchange, right? So we yeah. like with the questions. So if you hear what questions you're getting, um, and then that opens up other topics that we want to learn more about and figure out uh, how best. You know, I think the key thing uh, about going back to upstanding is organizations are constantly evolving, they're constantly learning, and they're taking stronger roles today, more so than ever, in the lives of the members of those. I think in the past, around the world, individuals relied on their governments to, to do a lot of this. I think today, they're finding that organizations play a much more critical role for them. And so therefore they want a better connection. They want much more engagement, much more ability to participate and also an understanding of what, again, those organizations stand for. Taking positions, I talk about in the book, taking positions on various social issues over the past year. 
I mean, this is a great example of where that became important for individuals. It became important for the organization. And I think it became very important for the communities that we're part of. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to hand you the wheel. Oh, thank you, Jeff. You <laughs> uh, we were talking about, of course, character-led companies, culture, and you brought up the topic of hiring. So, and right now we are actually quite fortunate in the leadership program, we're doing two hires. So as always this, I know that Frank will give a response that will be uh, very helpful. So Frank, how do, you, how do you do it? How do you do hiring in a character-led culture? So the, the, the first thing is uh, we, we do spend um, uh, as much time looking at culture when we look at candidates as we do looking at their skills and you know their 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 experiences and, and the way the way we do that is uh, first of all uh, we identify someone in the interview process um, who spends their time asking uh, the types of questions that really get out uh, the culture how those individuals that the, the candidates you're looking at would actually um, take on values and think about values and the importance of that uh, the, the other thing that we do is we make sure that um, those that are interviewing have gone through unbiased training uh, to make sure, because we, we, we feel strongly uh, on the whole uh, topic of uh, diversity and inclusion, and we want to make sure that we have no biases going into the interview process. And so that we're looking at what, not only just a diverse slate, but uh, we're, we're evaluating uh, individuals for that, that level of diversity. The, the other thing that we do um, upon uh, selecting individuals to join, uh, we, we, we have everyone go through unbiased un uh, training uh, from, from the start. Uh, we, we uh, as far as our onboarding, uh, we do have a significant emphasis on culture. And the other thing that we uh, I've now incorporated uh, in two organizations that I've been part of, I learned this when I was the, C, uh, the CFO of uh, Red Hat prior to Anaplan and now Anaplan, is a practice called Tilt 365. Um, it is a, um, it, it sort of like looks at the behaviors of individuals and it characterizes uh, folks into four different uh, categories of behaviors. It's sort of like a Myers-Briggs, there's different formats of this. But I found uh, with uh, TIL 365 that when you go through an assessment, a personal assessment, the feedback you get about yourself is definitely 90 to 95% accurate. At least most people who look at it say, this is truly me. The importance of that is it allows you to understand what your strengths are from a behavior perspective, but it also allows you to understand how you will interact with others that may come from a different uh, perspective. And that, that allows you to be much more open uh, to how others think, how others behave, and allows you to better collaborate with those because it gives you techniques on how to get to a win-win. Um, we, we now require all of our employees to go through that assessment initially and then to get refreshed uh, throughout their career at Anaplan. And it's one of those things that we practice and we hold people uh, to each other to, 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 to leverage. We found it allows people to, to really be much more open, much more direct, um, much more collaborative, um, and, and as I said before, get to win-win situations where you debate, but then you figure out how best to compromise so that it's for the better good of the organization. 
And Frank, just to make sure I'm following you, you said tilt 365. Does it categorize so that you have a sense of uh, your style, how you show up at work? Yes. Am I hearing you right? Yeah. Right. So it gives okay. you that's the 365, right? So you, so you understand from peers, from uh, subordinates, uh, as, for, as far as leaders and so forth, mm -hmm. you're getting that assessment, that feedback, mm -hmm. but then it puts you, gives you an ability to kind of see how your behavior maps mm -hmm. into the algorithm of tilt. Mm -hmm. interact with others. All right, if I may, I'm going to go back because uh, we've done some screening and we're about to do the interview process. And I understand from your earlier response that, you know, that values, surfacing values, the candidate's uh, va value is very important. I'm wondering how you do that. Is that done in a straightforward way, simply ask and then reply? Or are, do you do some role plays or ask candidates to do presentations. Just curious about how you get at values. So I, it's a combination and of both. Uh, it's, it's asking certain questions. We have certain pointed questions to get to how people respond to certain questions related to values and how they think about values. And then we do have some role play um, because that also allows people to, you know, put themselves in a, uh, a different environment and see how they will interplay uh, with others. So, so a combination of both. And we found both to be effective. Very, very good. Jeff, back to you. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Frank, one of the other uh, themes that surfaced here when we when we think about character led culture um, is how companies interact with the world around. them, Right. And and I wonder bef before we even talk about, um, you know, the the kind of the last 18 months, the number of ways in which businesses have stepped forward to lead. Um, are there experiences from your career that have informed the way uh, the way that you and Anna Plan are now engaging um, in the world? Are there are there formative experiences for you? Um, I, I, I I've had many. You know, one that um, I, I, I comes to mind, and I do mention this in the book. It was back during the years that I was uh, part of Cisco. Mm -hmm. um, and I was uh, the CFO of Cisco, and so in a leadership position. And um, we were headquartered in, in California, and there was Proposition 8, which was coming on the ballot, and that was uh, to, you know, a statement that uh, marriage was between a man and a woman. Um, and there was a lot of debate uh, across California on that proposition. And we had uh, numerous conversations and debates within uh, Cisco at the time among the leadership level, as to did we really want to take a stand as a company and as a leadership team on this yeah. uh, proposition? And after a lot of debate, we felt that it was the right thing to do uh, for the organization, but also for the community at large to, to, to come out with a statement against Proposition 8. Um, that whole process uh, for me um, was uh, a great learning experience, just um, figuring out, uh, working with others, how best to be able to stand above what Cisco was doing as a company uh, and really kind of take on a social issue. The feedback that we got internally from taking that position, even though the vote went the other way, um, but later has changed uh, as years mm -hmm. have progressed, uh, was, was uh, extremely important because it, it allowed a better connection with the organization, but it also allowed Cisco to have a better position in, in the society as, as a company that was willing to stand up and take a stand. 
And I think if I, if I go back to where we are today, I think more of those issues are, are coming front and center uh, with organizations to, to really, for their employees, but also for their customers and, and the communities that they're part of. You know, a- absolutely, Frank. And, and I appreciate I appreciate your framing of that. Um, certainly, we've seen over the last you know twelve months, we've seen businesses take more of an uh, an activist stance, um, or a, at least a, a values based stance. Um, and even before the pandemic, with the statements you know that came out of the business roundtable that were really focused on stakeholder management as opposed to uh, shareholder wealth creation, it, it seems that there is um, a bit of a sea change happening. How as a CEO, Frank, do you think about both engaging uh, employees in these kinds, because I, you know, you, you've talked throughout this whole interview about how important it is to include employees in the conversation, um, but then also expanding beyond to some of the other stakeholders um, that that are crucial to Anaplan, like customers, like suppliers, um, like investors. I realize, and, and I, should know, I realize that was a giant question, so you can so, take it. I'll, I'll take it in pieces, Jeff. That, but there are a lot of good points in there, so I, I appreciate that. Let, let me start with the, uh, the the whole from a governance perspective, and I think this is a, a major step forward. Public companies especially are being uh, required more so, and I think it's gonna continue to evolve, to uh, be much more transparent on various topics in ESG, right? Um, And I'm on, as you mentioned, the board of Adobe. uh, So I see that front and center. And then also being on the board of Anaplan and I've been on other boards. Uh, That level of, of, of transparency both externally, but also internally is gonna be important because it's gonna allow organizations to move the needles on various topics like diversity um, and and various other stands on sustainability. Um, I I think, um, I I know our company from an Anaplan story, I'll I'll just share this story. We became a public company uh, three years ago. And as you probably know, going down the path of of an IPO, you have to go out and you have to meet with investors uh, on that roadshow and get them to understand what the company's all about. Even three years ago, I found many investors asking the question and doing their due diligence on culture back then um, and how they were gonna make a decision to invest in, in, in Anaplan. So I think what, what probably in the past was more of a financial equation has now broadened, which I think is, is, is goodness going forward. So, so I put that. The other area you brought up, which I think is as important, is customers and partners. I think we've seen many examples of late of where organizations will take positions on who they do business with based on what that stance that that company takes on on various topics. Um, And I think that will be even more so. Um, And so I think how you operate, the character of the organization you are, then starts to lend to the organizations that buy your products, right? And they're going to, do they trust you? Do they understand what you're all about? Um, and, and I think that will be more important, um, again, as, as we think about the next five or 10 years. Let me remind our listeners that this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Jeff Klein, and I'm here with Ann Greenhall. We're talking with Frank Calderoni, the CEO of Plan, uh, and we're talking 
about his new book, Upstanding, How Company Character Catalyzes Loyalty, Agility, and Hypergrowth. Anne, back to you. Oh, thank you. I'm going to channel Mike Yusim here for a minute. And Mike's written so many books, Jeff and I have lost count, but he has one on the relationship between CEOs and their board. So Frank, I'm just going to ask you, how do you think about the relation, that relationship? You are a CEO, you have a board, presumably, and you sit on a board and work with CEOs. So, you know, how do you think of that relationship? And that, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a great question. And it's sort of like um, I see myself kind of bouncing between the two. But, you know, being on both sides, I think you learn um, how best to, uh, you know, advise the other side. So first, I would say as a board member, um, a, a board is supposed to give advice and counsel. A board is not to run a company. And I think the more members of boards can bring their experiences uh, to the boardroom and offer advice and counsel, the better. Um, and, and, and allowing the CEO and the management team uh, to run the company uh, based on some of that advice and counsel, I, th I think is important. As a CEO, you wanna leverage a board because hopefully you have a diverse board that brings you different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, you want to leverage, I mean, you know, if I say a CEO and management team, that, that's your ability to get advice and counsel, right? So leveraging that diverse group to provide you insights um, and also provide uh, feedback um, as to how well you're doing or how well the company is doing and provide that other perspective, I think is important. I, I've been in various boardrooms where, where there is that dynamic where a board understands their role as far as providing that advice and the CEO is willing to accept that as advice and counsel, I think is, 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 is a good um, relationship that goes not only for the management team and the board, but I think it reflects back on, on the organization at hand as well. Yeah. Was just maybe to follow the lead of Jeff Dass a question maybe about a pivotal moment. Was there an experience that you had either positive or negative that really informed your view of how a board and the CEO should work together? Um, so I'll, one that comes up, and that I'm thinking of is uh, when I was on a board, we had an activist investor come on the board. Um, <laughs> and I think when you hear the term activist investor, everyone has their own view as yeah. what that, and, and I think there's different variations of activist investors. And I think the perception was not necessarily a positive one. Right. Mm -hmm. I would say that in this particular situation, again, uh, this activist came on the board for a reason. Uh, they mm -hmm. felt that there was uh, some level of insight that they could have provided from an outside-in perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think the board and the management team was open to listen and learn. And so as a result, what could have been very adversarial turned out to be very beneficial. That activist stayed on the board for a period of a few years. The company performance actually improved, not to say based on just activists, but just right. being more open um, and uh, aware of, of, of more insight. And it ended in a very positive, uh, mm -hmm. I think, for the activists, but I also think for the rest of the board and also for the management team. Yeah, that's great. I've um, I've heard Indra Nui, former CEO of PepsiCo, speak, and she referred to her experience with activist investors as free consulting, 
<laughs> which I think is a great way to view it. There's feedback. <laughs> yes. You know, and I, you know, I have to bring up, and, and this relates not only to that, but I think in, when you're open to listen, I keep saying this, to listen listening, to morning, mm-hmm. you're going to change the dynamic. It goes mm-hmm. back to even what I was saying about t- Tilt 365. Right. It's a big takeaway I've learned throughout. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been in doing what I've been doing for over 30 years. And as I said mm-hmm. before, for me to listen and learn from others and for me then to, you know, build, um, you know, my, who I am from those experiences and then being able to share that back in other ways is, is, is super important. And I, I encourage, you know, especially those listening here, this mm-hmm. is an opportunity for all of you, you know, embark on listening and learning. Um, yeah. It allows you to be much better at whatever you wanna be uh, mm-hmm. on the social side, but also on the professional side. That's great. Jeff, back to you. All right. Thanks, Anne. Um, Frank, I'm curious. I mean, this question comes out of our Wharton heritage where uh, we we very much like data and we very much like um, analysis, right, and and analytics around that data. So as you think about this question of character-led company culture, what is it that you want to measure and, and what, is, what kind of data are you analyzing over time? So first I have to say, Jeff, based on how you cheat up that question, do I have a product for you? It's called Anaplan. It's a planning platform that allows you to capture information, data, and do analysis. That's the key thing of what we do. And I, by the way, I love, I love getting into that conversation with so many. I just came back from um, a customer meeting yesterday. And it was a chance to listen and learn with that customer, but also share a perspective on how they can capture a lot of their information and do different analysis in running their business. But uh, but back back on your question, you know, I, I would say, um, g- give me the heart of what your question is. I, I, I went on to, uh, about Anaplan. You got me so excited on Anaplan. <laughs> I think thinking about character-led company culture. Yeah, learning. So, what is it that you want to measure? Yes. So the key thing I think, and what we're working on is belonging. It's, it's called, we, we call it a belonging index. And we're actually working with UC Berkeley. Uh-huh. Um, and we, we've got a couple of professors there that have been doing some analysis on what makes individuals want to be part of an organization and how do you measure uh, whether or not they feel like they do belong and resonate with that purpose and the right. values that are created. And so we're doing this, this, this uh, experiment with a few other companies in UC Berkeley. Uh, we're actually in the process right now. We expect to get our initial results in the fall, uh, which we're then gonna share with our employees and, and then listen and learn and develop that process. But I think we're trying to come up with, with metrics that allow us in Anaplan and our employees to, to get a sense. It's sort of like with customers, there's an MPS score, net promoter score, right? You ask mm-hmm. your customers, Right? Do they mm-hmm. like your product? Do they like the engagement that they have with you mm-hmm. as, as a vendor? This is similar to that, right? And but doing it in a way where employees feel like it's going to give them a sense of, of feeling a connection. And so we, we expect to learn a lot from that and hopefully be able to share those results, not only within Anaplan of the few companies that we're working with, but maybe more extensively for other organizations to, to leverage as well. Okay. And did you have a follow-up? Yeah, I, yeah, you're just making me smile, Jeff, because I'm thinking back on the days many years ago when we used to use an instrument instrument called Phyro B in the classroom. 
And that instrument was self-reported, but asked, uh, in our case, students to assess the degree to which they felt in or out, you know, in or out of a group, to what degree they felt above or below, and to what degree they felt near or far. And although self-reported, self-reported, it was a handy instrument because it would give you a little thumbnail sketch of the interpersonal dynamics of individuals in the context of the group. So I love that you're looking at belonging. <laughs> Actually, what we should do, we should, and we should have a further conversation after the fall. Um, as we get some of this, it would be great to connect with you and really. I would love that. <laughs> great. <Woo-hoo. laughs> well, and, and Frank, I think maybe related, related to this conversation we're having, what are some of the strategies that, that you would advise companies to consider as they're thinking about trying to create an environment of belonging? Uh, it, it goes back to, uh, first of all, uh, spending the time identifying a purpose, right? What, what, is that, what is that North Star? What is that um, something that grounds the organization, right? Um, we, we have at Anaplan, I, I learned this in my time at Cisco, just as an example, a VSEM, which is a vision, a strategy, execution, and then milestones, right? And, and, and we have that. So it starts at the overall organ top of the organization and permeates down so that people have an understanding of what that vision that strategy is all about, but also understand how they connect to it and how they can contribute to it. And having that purpose kind of fits right in there. I, again, we, we did this at Cisco. We had close to 60,000 employees globally, but it allowed people to have that, that sense of connectedness and knowledge and awareness. Of, of what the organization was, what they were trying, what, what its success looked like. So it starts with that. And as I said before, the values then tie to that purpose, the behaviors then tie uh, to the values. And I love that you included milestones with there. Um, how, do you, how do you use milestones to reinforce the character of the organization? So, so, so the, the, the metrics, of course, you're gonna have different categories of metrics. You're gonna have financial metrics. Um, you, you're going to have people metrics, you know, especially as it relates to, I'll just highlight some of the things around diversity. Like if you're trying to, you know, make sure that the, the, the organization is much more diverse in certain ways, the only way to do it, I feel, is to be aware of where you are and what goals you're setting and how you're uh, working toward those goals. And then it, the, the, there's also, um, you know, certain metrics that we have around our culture, right, and what we're doing. And it goes back to that Anaplan love and different things that we do to, to make sure that we're continuing to evolve that culture. Because the culture I feel is never always uh, the way you want it to be or a point in time. It's constantly evolving depending upon the people um, and, and, and the, the business, but also uh, the environment that you're part of and how that evolves. Well, Frank, and it seems like we are entering the final moments of our, our final minutes of our conversation. Uh, you know, we want to certainly remind our listeners that this is a conversation. This is Jeff and Ann, and we've been talking with Frank Calderoni, who is the CEO of Anna Plan and the author of Upstanding. And, and as we move into our traditional after-action review at the end of the show, uh, I'm going to start with you. Okay. I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to ask, you know, what are some of the key themes? What are some of the key highlights that you're going to take with you from this conversation? Um, 
and knowing you as I do, keep thinking about them and um, and even applying them to your own leadership practice. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Always therapeutic, Jeff. I, you know, for me, three words stand out and they've been woven through the conversation along, along the way, uh, empathy, listening and learning. So I think, you know, always relevant and maybe even especially so as we now try the return to work and return to the classroom. So those are the three I'm going to keep in mind. Thanks, Anne. And Frank, for you, um, what, what final words of advice what are the themes you want our listeners to, to take with them? I, I have to resonate with what Ann just mentioned, empathy, listening and learning. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to add to the learning uh, comment because I really didn't cover this. And I think it's, it's one that, you know, I'm, again, having been around for a while um, and had so many different experiences, I'm often asked, what, what's, what's a, a big learning that you would want to share? For me, uh, throughout my career, it's always been to take on opportunities where there are challenges. Um, I remember I spent 21 years at IBM and I, I tended to gravitate to jobs and roles where there were problems. And the reason I did that was one, curiosity, two, an ability to change and make a difference. And then three, to be, you know, to, to get some recognition for making things happen. And, and I've, I've continued that throughout my career and it's worked well for me. I've made a difference to the organization, to those that worked around me. And I also made a difference to myself because I learned a lot and it allowed me to be better and, and to raise that bar on taking on the next challenge. Sounds great. Thank you, Frank. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think for me, I, I just want to reinforce, I think throughout this whole conversation, we've been talking about, including employees, including customers, including partners listening, and really um, that being the way that a company's character is experienced um, by all those stakeholder groups. So I, I wanna just say thanks again to Frank. Thank you. Also to all of our listeners um, for joining us here today. If you have a question about something you heard on today's show, please email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com and be sure to follow our show on Twitter at SXM Business. Um, a special thank you to our guest, Frank Calderoni, our producer, Patty Hall, and our sound engineer, Chris Tooks. I'm Jeff Klein, and you've been listening to Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 130. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 